well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to classic, classic Elder Scrolls. Brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network and available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and QuestGamingNetwork.com. Today's record date is Sundas, the 13th of Hearthfire. And I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Ivarwin! And let me introduce the one and only Weaver of Tales, Long Left. Long Left to the Ash of Time. Mike, the Tamrielic Historian. Hello, everybody. It's hey. been a long time. Hopefully everybody's doing well today. Good morning. Yeah, I, I think everyone's doing great. I <laughs> think we're all doing good. Uh, it's been crazy rainy the last couple of days, and, you know, weather's been bugging my sinuses, but, hey, you know, it's a Sunday morning, and we're in Tamriel. Yeah. It seems to be raining there, too. It's uh, dark and raining here as well. <laughs> uh, and uh, the other, our other wonderful gentleman host, who, uh, our gentleman host, our hostly gentleman, <laughs> Ghostly Hostly. Our deliciously Canadian <laughs> QGN's own dungeon master, though not in the Daedric sort of sense, Mark the Sonarist. Oh, I have gotten so many awkward calls about that. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> welcome Sunday morning, everyone. Um, yeah, it's... I gotta admit, Mike, yeah, uh, weather's been playing havoc on my sinuses, too. But apparently, uh, my sports team is doing better than yours, so I'm all good. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> Ah, uh, in the end, you're going to play an Altmer. It's been, it's <laughs> been over 20 years since, uh, you know, Toronto has uh, won the World Series, so. Mm, but at the moment, we're, you know, we're, you know, the way things are going, it looks like uh, we're going for another two in a row, like uh, we did 20 years ago. Oh. I know nothing about baseball, so. <laughs> I, I've got a wife. <laughs> she who does, so. <laughs> See, that's Honey, what I need. What happened 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I need. I gotta I gotta get a wife, that's why I can figure out baseball. <laughs> what happened 20 years ago? I need to be relevant. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, we we have that little bit going on now. So we'll we'll find out uh if the Jays win in, uh, or if the Jays get knocked out of uh, the 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 playoffs for baseball first, uh, I have to roll up an Altmer and I'll stream that. And uh, you know, if Mike, uh, if the New York Yankees get, it's the Yankees, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. If the Yankees get knocked out, then um, you know Mike has to play an uh, an orc and uh, stream that. Yeah, so straight. Yeah. So, for, uh, you know, for those that don't know, both. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays and New York Yankees are both uh, American League East baseball teams. And right now, uh, Toronto is leading the division's championship going in. And the Yankees have the uh, wild card. But uh, we still have just under a month left of baseball to play before we oh, get yeah. to the playoffs. So, no, well, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Let's, um, let's stop talking about this nerdy baseball crap and start talking about some real cool stuff like Elder Scrolls. <laughs> yeah, something manly like Elder Scrolls. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Mike, I think your gain might be up a little too high. You're starting to peak out a little bit. Um, 
so so speaking of speaking of Mike, by the way, uh, lest us not forget our Jesus. I can't get like two seconds. Freaking faded wraith. I mean, come on, man. I'm trying to do a show, <laughs> and you're all like, "Oh, I'm gonna attack you with like my evil faded wraithness." And like, that's not even a word. I have to make up words because I'm so pissed off about this dude right now. Now I'm over encumbered. Really, guy? Jesus. Alright. <laughs> Do we have a Khajiit in the house? Can I get Jezeldar to give me the two moons? How does yes. go? Today, the 13th of Hotfire, Jod Masser sleeps. And Joan Secunda is slow to wake. The men like Orme Ra stride forth today. Will they hide their tail to blend in with society of men? Or let it show for solidarity with their kin. Be warned, those traveling to the land of the Dark Elves, the skies portell activity of the dreaded Sixth House. Oh, oh my. That's not good. No, not at all. No. All right, how many auto attempts is this going to take for me to, to get? I got 70 lockpicks. You think it'll take 70? Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, wow, look at that. It took one. Wow, I'm actually freaking shocked as hell. And that's not your, um, the, the... Oh, no, that was, that was with the... No, that's that with a real lockpick? No, that's with a fake lockpick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to, uh, just to kick off the show, guys, I want to remind you that we are sponsored, of course, uh, by Tweaked Audio. TweakedAudio.com. Some, uh, some great headphones over there, folks. If you're looking for some new headphones, um, we can't recommend tweaked audio headphones any any highly uh, any higher than we than we already do. Um, they really do have some fantastic quality headphones. The uh, they're very durable, and the sound output is uh, is phenomenal. Um, for about a twenty dollar price point, if you head over to tweakedaudio.com, uh, you're going to get something real special. We promise you. And uh, if you don't believe us, that's all right. Uh, we got a code that's going to save you a couple of bucks. That's um, 30% off at tweakedaudio.com with our code off the record. All one word. O-F-F-T-H-E record. Off the record. And um, just to save you a few more dollars, all right, when you use that code, you're also not just going to get that 30% off. You're also going to get free shipping as well. So really, um, you, you spend, you get the, uh, you get the cost of the headphones. 30% off that, and then the free shipping. Pretty fantastic bargain. And uh, the product, we guarantee, if you haven't tried tweaked audio headphones before, um, we guarantee you're going to be coming back. Because they are pretty exceptional. And, of course, by Audible. A-U-D-I-B-L-E. AudibleTrial.com slash Quest Gaming Network. Use that link in order to get a free audiobook. If you enjoy listening to podcasts... You may enjoy listening to an audiobook. If you've never tried it before, it really is a singular experience. We recommend it very highly, especially with our link. Hey, you're going to get one for free. If it's free, it's for me, right, folks? So, Audible Trial, A U D I B L E, trial.com slash Quest Gaming Network. That's, uh, that's what you're going to use in order to get your free audiobook today. I was just reading uh, Dan Brown's new one, um, the, um, Inferno. And uh, it's quite a hefty book, so you know this might be something for our Audible listeners uh, if you know they enjoy things like the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. I oh. know that Inferno is supposed to be coming out sometime in the future as a movie, so Took maybe you want to you know pick up that book because it has to do with genetics and you know sorcery and witchcraft and ancient uh, literature and cool things in Italy and cool things in Italy. Yeah, I like that. 
<laughs> I like cool things in Italy. Um, That's where all the cool things are, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, Mike, I, I still think your gain's a little a little too high. Did you tweak it at all? I put it down, actually, when you asked Did me the you? last time. Maybe you're just too close to it, then. I'll sit back. How about that? Maybe that's the case. I, I don't. I don't even know. I mean, I hate to ask you to do anything different. Um, well, I don't know. I turned it down a little bit and I sat back. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, Mark, why don't you tell everyone where they can? Uh, where they actually? You know what? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, let's just stick to the notes. Go ahead, Mark. Tell us. Tell everyone where everyone can connect with us, please. Sure, not a problem. Well, you know, they can watch us live uh, uh, on Sundays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork slash live. That might change in the future, but, you know, we'll, we'll let everyone know if that happens. Uh, they can send us emails at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com. And they can find us on the web at questgamingnetwork.com. And, of course, if they're using social media, uh, they can follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR on Facebook at facebook.com slash quest gaming network and on Google uh, and on Google at google.com slash plus sign quest gaming network. So Mike, what are we doing today? So today we have Elder Scrolls Scrolls for Oblivion, the Bravo daughter of the Nibbin. Uh, we have a discussion topic, diversity among cities for good or ill. We'll be looking at the history of the city of Breville and the Nimbin Basin. From the Sonaris Archives, from here to there, exploration and discovery in the Elder Scrolls. Kind of sounds something like uh, Bilbo Baggins would say. <laughs> uh, we have a fast question, tweets, and an email, and some gameplay. The other option for the, uh, for the archives was walk this way, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just, I know we, we mentioned it very quickly, um, and we spoke about it very briefly before the show. Uh, we may be moving the show to a rotating schedule, just like Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Um, it's getting very, very difficult uh, for us to record the show early on a Sunday morning, um, especially with, with my work schedule. And um, we'll, we're looking into it. Um, the next episode is probably going to record October 3rd, I think, which is a Saturday. Um, but even that is is pretty tentative. Um, that's going to be the latest date that we'll do the next episode, episode 44 of Classic. Is It won't be any later than that. Um, we got to figure out, you know, where, where we can do it, but it's probably going to be sometime around there because um, we don't want to, you know, have any scheduling conflicts with other shows. And certainly, you know, it's it's wedding season yet again. Believe it or not, um, May is not the only month that people get married and uh, October is a big one, too. Yep, September and October. I know that uh, a number of people on uh, QGN uh, have celebrated or are celebrating anniversary soon. Yeah. Yeah, mine's so. actually at the end of the week. So, oh, hey, Mark, okay, gameplay. Years? What did we do this? Yes, week? let's get to gameplay. <laughs> wow, all right, <laughs> gameplay. All right, so guys, what'd you do this week? <laughs> well, we Mike planned our wedding anniversaries, I guess, because <laughs> I've got one coming up too. <laughs> so, are you gonna but, spend uh, time with your uh, with your lady in in uh, Skyrim? <laughs> I think I'd be sleeping on the couch if that were the case. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so Mike, what'd you do this week? Uh, so in terms of classic games, um, I've been trying to play um, the Falskar mod in Skyrim. Um, I've gotten through the uh, Deep Echo Cave, got up to Falskar, got to the uh, little town of uh, Eben, or Amber Creek, and started uh, playing through uh, some of the quests there. Um, you had to go out and find some hot pools and cleanse them because necromancers had set up shop there and uh, were screwing up the entire place. Um, had to reload a couple of times because uh, I forgot, uh, you know, villagers and fireballs do not go well together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we had a, uh, a bandit raid on the town and... Uh, I thought that I had the uh, f- uh, fire bolt selected when it was fireball and shot it into the crowd and killed half the guards and, you know, townspeople. So, <laughs> re-roll. <laughs> Restart. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, but it's yeah. been really cool. I mean, it, it, it it's brought a lot of life back to the game because I haven't seen any of it before. So you have to stop and take your time and, you know, really pay attention to what's going on. Oh, yeah. So I guess uh, all in all, you're you're enjoying Falscar. Yeah, great. Hoping you know to find some more mods like that, possibly you know as this continues on. Yeah, there is. Um, I think there is one other like really large, almost DL Bethesda DLC sized mod out there. Um, I forget the name of it. I know if obviously Falscar was was one of them. And I think that's the one that I happened to download, but there there is another one out there too. I th- I think th- there are two that I've heard of. One's called like um I think Worm's Tooth. And the other there's one actually called something like The Road to Elsewhere where you actually end up going into Elsewhere and Moon going around to elsewhere, there. Elsewhere, yeah. Yeah. Um yes. I've got Worm Tooth uh, downloaded and I yeah. with one character I started that. Um yeah. Yeah, I started that too. It's the vast majority, at least of the the beginning, seems to be just dragging you by the nose from one place to another. Yeah, Which... first part is go find this person. Okay, now go find this person. Yeah. Um, now follow these couple... NPCs around the island. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. There's one that you would really appreciate, Mark. Uh, it has to do with the Thalmor. And, oh yeah. Uh, it's a series of months. I think there are five or six of them. And uh, one of them is like uh, Frontier to Cyrodiil. The others, the Thalmor base. Uh, one is Snake Pit. And so pretty much it's like these instance quest areas that all interlink with each other um, that allow you to go and kill tons of Thalmor. Oh, I have to take a look at that then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's right up Mark's alley. <laughs> yeah. Either yeah. that or you can do like Rob did and just, you know, spawn player at me, Thalmor goon, you know. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Mark, Mark, uh, how about how about you? What uh, what have you been up to lately in the Elder Scrolls? Well, uh, in the Elder Scrolls, I've been getting myself prepared for. Um, uh, I've gotten everything done. Uh, I'm with the uh, with becoming the Nerverine. Uh, I'm getting all set to enter the, uh, to go talk to Vivek and then enter the Ghost Gate. Um, and face off against Dagoth Ur, so hopefully I should be uh, streaming that this week. Um, other than that, uh, I've been you know playing some ESO, getting uh, ch- you know checking out the Imperial City a little bit, um, and actually just last uh, on Friday in Dances with Daggers, we were doing um, we we couldn't get into 
the Imperial City. So we decided, okay, well, let's let's go do the Blessed Crucible in uh, in the Rift, and that was a fun one. Um, we uh, at one point we fought the Beastmaster, so uh, had to watch out for the ferrets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a character called the Beast. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a character called the Beastmaster, and she releases all these big things before being crushed by a giant troll. Yeah. So it was like, oh god, it's Beastmaster! Watch out for the ferrets. That's uh, that's quite the uh, quite the '80s movies reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn it! This freaking zombie! I swear to God, if it kills me, I'm gonna yeah, I, I've flip a table. This thing is like the zombie. <laughs> this is it. This is freaking. This is it right here. This is the guy from Game of Thrones. Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Taking your barless stone, piecing out of here. <laughs> but um, where's your so, t- <laughs> so uh, other than that, we uh, then we find out that the last boss is the Lava Queen, which is like, well, Lava Queen, ha! I'm the Lava Lord. I can handle this. Hey! <laughs> At which point, I jump straight into some lava. Well, then. Uh... <laughs> If you're anyone the Lava Lord, you did all right. <laughs> well, anyone who's watched my uh, my um, Red Guard streams will understand why that happened. Mm. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. oh, old nineteen old nineteen uh, nineties three uh, D isometric con- or you know three D controls when we were still trying to figure out how does this whole uh, jumping puzzle thing work in 3D. <laughs> yeah, I remember that distinctly, like logging into, you know, playing uh, N64 and like, how does this work? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I can't I can't get a good angle on when I'm at the edge. Yeah. Um, big shout out to our chat room. Hello. Um, thank you, listeners, podcast listeners and YouTube watchers alike. Uh, please do not forget to subscribe, of course. Um, before we go uh, and start off with our discussion topic, um, Mike, we've got a special announcement that we sort of want to uh, reiterate for our 50th episode, right? Yes. So uh, our 50th is fast approaching. We're figuring sometime in late December, early January um, will be our 50th episode. And as a um, thing for our 50th, uh, we are going to be giving away a piece of custom artwork done by yours truly to one lucky listener, which will be drawn live on our 50th episode. So, uh, you know, it's for our classic thing. So that's why you, if you listen to ESOTR, you haven't heard about it. Uh, but how do we enter? So you must be following our Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube, and send us an email describing your favorite moment in a classic Elder Scrolls game that we will read on air after the drawing. So all entries are going to be placed into a hat and one drawn at random so that everybody can see that, you know, it's, you know, you know, going fair. to be a fair drawing. Uh, and then uh, you'll, we'll have to contact you and uh, have you send uh, a screenshot for me to uh, paint for you. So, um, Does it have to be put into a hat, though? Uh, maybe a coffee mug? Okay. I, mean, I heard that you got a giant coffee mug, don't you? I, I do, in fact, have a larger than average sized coffee mug, yeah. and It takes like six pots to fill? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we might have to use that uh, that um, random number generator that uh, Ajellos uses for their show. Yeah, <laughs> a random number generator <laughs> might be an idea. Yeah, well, uh, something to sim. Really, is it necessary to have a vehicle that loud? <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> for God's sake. Did you guys hear that? Well, it's, usually it's my side because my neighbor has, like, no mufflers on his 1970s Oldsmobile or his, you know, souped-up flame-throwing truck. <laughs> God. Yeah, I, I am I am so sorry that some of you people out there have to go back to work and school in September, but that does not give you the right to be extra stupid during the weekend now. <laughs> For God's sake. So, uh, Darwin, have we gotten any uh, emails in yet about actually, the... Yeah. Uh, we have. Oh, so we have started getting uh, people uh, taking notice of it. And, Absolutely. And, okay, cool. Yeah, we definitely have. Um, I've got them um, inside a special folder, and uh, I actually wanted to ask you uh, if you wanted me to send them to you directly. Um, well, I was looking at uh, you know I was looking at the show notes last night, and I had seen that you know we got a bunch of these, and I was saving them, so I, I forgot to ask you. But yeah, you want me to send you those? I'll. Yeah, over. If you want to send forward them on to me, that's fine. Um, it's yeah, probably not. It, yeah, it, as long as somebody's it, keeping them so that uh, when we go to do the drawing, right, we uh, have all of them. Because I'd hate for anybody to be like, I sent one and I wasn't in the drawing. It, not, yeah. You know. I'm afraid of the same thing, too. I mean, you know how I am. Yeah. <laughs> Forget crap. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll send those out to you just so you've got... You've got a copy of them as well, and um, I'll I'll maintain a, a copy in a separate folder in our email folder. Um, this way, we have at least some some kind of a backup too. Very cool. All right, discussion topics, guys. Um, this episode is dedicated to Brazil, which in just a few minutes, Mike will tell us all about. Uh, now, if you've played Oblivion, you're aware that Brazil is a town that stands out from the rest as it's easily recognizable as one of the most run-down. Well, similar to Skyrim's Dawnstar, or even Morthal, Breville is, you know, kind of an unwelcome sight. Or is it? You know, as soon as you walk into any town in an Elder Scrolls game, it strikes you with its personality. You know, it tends to stand out. Though the first thought usually in our minds when we see Breville for the first time likely is, you know, wow, what a dump. Um, a major piece, <laughs> a major piece of us is like, you know, suddenly aware of how appreciative we are of the thought Bethesda put into intentionally creating something downtrodden. So I guess the thing I wanted to discuss tonight is, or today rather, is um, does this enhance our experience? And if so, how? Does it... Does a having walking into walking into a town or that that was completely and, and wholly separate and different from a town that we we were in earlier? Does that enhance our experience? So I would definitely say, especially with Oblivion, I think they did it incredibly well, and that's one of the reasons why this pass through of. Uh, um, classic has been all about going to the towns. Each of the towns has a different personality, and uh, you know, from the the beautiful high architecture of um, the Imperial Palace to you know the Red Guard Mediterranean look of An of uh, Anvil that we looked at, uh, and now today when we go to Breville, we're going to take a look and see, you know, pretty much a, a, a very rundown shanty town. Uh, yeah, so it makes you know when you compare that to like Chaden Hall, which is a you know very medieval type of like neo French Gothic type of architecture. I, I think it really does well because it, it gives you, unlike Skyrim, a lot of Skyrim's towns they're really forgettable. Like 
like the area that is that they're in is is very beautiful, like Falkreath, and it's much more distinct from Morthal. But the town layouts themselves, all of them look the same, and it's just the area around it that gives it its its feel. But but here, the towns themselves have their own feel, and they're not reliant on the surrounding area to give them their their feel. Yeah, I, I got to I got to sort of agree and echo that. Um, I I think that's that's kind of um, I think that's that's uh, something that you know obviously Bethesda was was going for when they they decided to to make this change. I mean, you look at Marwind, and yeah, the towns are different, um, but not they're different in their in their setup a little bit in their architecture, not so different. Uh, like like you see in, in Oblivion, where you clearly walk into some towns and they are making a statement about the, the local economics and the health of the economy in that town. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Uh, even some of the districts in Cyrodiil are, are sort of set up in the same way. You know, you, you walk into... Uh, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. You walk into those districts, and you can just clearly see it. Um, yeah, I mean the the port district there, you know, the harbor front or waterfront, definitely shanty town. You know, versus if you walk into the nobles district or the temple district, it's, you know, you could definitely tell there's wealth situated there. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, Mark, over over to you on on this one. Uh, some of your opening thoughts, I suppose. Oh no question. I mean, like the. It really does sort of. It helps a place stick out in your mind. It helps you because it's it's too easy for when you're putting t- together a game like this to just sort of like, okay, uh, this is the town and we've got these stock buildings. We'll just drop them all here and you know we'll give it maybe a different shape than the other town. But there, it's done. Whereas with Bethesda, you know, they every town has a look. Every town has a unique feel to it. And that just, it helps, yeah, it helps it stick out in your mind. It helps you keep them from just being generic town A and generic town B. Right. Uh, And I I sort of have to disagree a little bit with you on this one, Mike, with Skyrim. Um, You know, I've recently, this week, been playing Skyrim a lot. And... Yeah, the towns are very different. I I, Well, the four majors or five majors are, so Solitude... Um, White Run, Riften, Windhelm, and uh, Markarth. But the miners all are pretty much, I feel, the same. And they really shouldn't be, you know, given that same kind of like architecture. They shouldn't be considered a minor town because they're they're the capital of the hold. Uh, and that's really what I'm saying is like Morthal, um, Falkreath, and. Um, I'm blanking on the the last one. Morthal Falkreath uh, and uh Winterhold? No well yeah, Winterhold is other than the cast the castle itself for the uh Dawnstar. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying on that, but I, I'm I don't know. There there is a certain feel when you walk through Dawnstar than than you get when you walk through Morthal. Yeah. Um and but that really has to do with the surrounding that they're placed within. A hundred percent, yes. And and that's not why... the building layout or architecture. Yeah. I, I that's why I'm saying like I, I kinda disagree with you, but you're right when it comes to, you know, the buildings, the architecture. Like if they 
if Skyrim had had given um, attention to detail, if Skyrim had the attention to detail in the architecture of um, of those minor towns, then I, I think that would have would have pushed that feeling much much further. But also, you know, I mean, um, are the is the architecture in oblivion from town to town that much different as well? Mm-hmm. I would have to say yes. In some instances, when, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at, like when we were in Anvil, you had the um, the different types of um, the golden rooftop there over the observatory in the Mages Guild. Um, you know, a, a much different layout uh, structurally than when we were in Chaden Hall, where it has those pointy towers with the purpley color uh, turrets on top of the buildings. And, you know, the white marble all through the Imperial City. Um, where else have we been to on this tour? Uh, I'm blanking. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I mean, point well made, of course. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, is you'd think, like, you know, for such a an obvious answer to a discussion topic. There are a lot of different ways that you can sort of, you know, look at this and, 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 and review it. And, um, through a couple of different lenses, you know, and, and the fact is, is that yes, these towns, they are completely different. Uh, when you, when you look at them and, and I think more of that is, is required. Um, they, they went from oblivion to Skyrim and certainly they, um, they kept that same theme going that they 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 picked up in Oblivion. Let's make these towns feel different, you know. Whereas you know we think they could have done it uh, a little bit differently or a little bit better in some instances. Um, we're hoping maybe in Elder Scrolls Six, you know, they'll they'll carry through with that again, make the towns feel feel different. Um, and yeah, it does enhance our experience now. Let's just end off with this real quick. I mean, in what way does this sort of enhance your your experience? Um, I'll go out on a limb, and I'll say that one of the ways it enhances my experience while playing the game is um, it breaks up the monotony. You know, it's a boring answer, but it, I think it's probably one of the more obvious ones. You walk into a town, and you're like, ooh, this is completely different. I have not seen this before. The setup is 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 new and different, and and I'm interested. I want to know more about this town. Um, Mark, what what about you? How does this enhance your experience? Pretty much, I and mean, like from an RP perspective too. You know, like when your character goes into a town, it's like, well, how much time do I want to spend here? Like, um, and it always comes down to depending on the character that I want to play. Sort of the the flavor of the town really does affect how much, you know, from an RP perspective, is this where I want to have the character settle down, have their house keep coming back to? Like, Whiterun's a great little uh, great little town, you know, nice people and whatnot. If I'm playing a rogue, of course, I want to be in Riften. And while I like, like, from an RP perspective, if you've got Hearthfire, Lakeview Manor is probably the, the best most beautiful surroundings for a house in the entire game. But then, you know, you're getting your your uh, your supplies out of Falkreath, and the guy in charge of Falkreath's a total jerk. 
So, <laughs> so you know. Uh, all right. So then, uh, yeah, we we hear you on that on that yeah. mark. Now, um, Mike, what about you? How does this enhance your experience? Well, I would definitely agree with you on the breaking up of <clears throat> the monotony, uh, but also it really shows that the world is alive. Uh, you know, going back to when we first started gaming. And, you know, 8-bit pixel type of games, everything had to look the same because the computers didn't have the power to deal with it. But, you know, if you walked from, you know, you know, through one uh, any state in the Union here or any country through Europe, I mean, you're going to go from one fortified city to another fortified city or one you know city to another city. There's going to be such diversity that, you know, if you're playing a game where supposedly the landmass is the size of a small country in Europe you would not expect them to be all have the exact same architecture, all have the exact same populace living there. So you'd expect there to be differences and, you know, that kind of flavor. Oh yeah. I, I just, as a quick side note, look at the difference. Look at how close New York city and Boston are. Now, if, if maybe you don't, you're not aware, I mean, New York city and Boston are separated by maybe three and a half, three hours of driving time. And, and there, and and at the same time, New York City and Washington D.C. are separated by maybe about four hours of driving time. Yep. And th those three cities could not be any more different. New York is a huge, sprawling, loud metropolis, and it's very grid-like setup. Right. Boston is not that way. It's it's a it's a it's a wonderful, busy. I, I prefer. I'm sorry, but I prefer New York. I prefer Boston over New York. <laughs> but and the reason why is when I when I walk in Boston, it it sounds like it feels like um, it feels like a welcoming town. And it's a it's a big city. It's a wonderful city. It's deep and rich in history. And as soon as you walk through there, you feel the history around you. And and. You know, the people in New York are, are you know, friendly too, but um, the, it, Boston just feels more, more welcoming. It's quieter. It's not so harsh on the ears and the senses as New York is. New York, you're walking around there. Everything is crazy. Your head's being turned around in a million different directions all at once. Everything is big, bright, loud. You walk down the street, the smells are completely different than the street before. And everything is just loud and the traffic is loud and... And then you go through Washington, D.C., and obviously it's a completely different feel there, too. And, and just to make it, you know, all short, um, the, my point short, I suppose, this is the northeast of New York, uh, of, of uh, the northeast region of, of uh, the United States. These towns, these, these cities are separated by just a few hours from each other, and yet they couldn't be any more different. So, so to your point, Mike, you're right, and we have, you know glaring real life examples all around the world and and just in my my small um experience i i can see how how 100 percent right you are and that's just the three big cities i mean if you were to take on portland maine and tack that on there i mean that looks nothing at all like you know any other similar sized city um in the northeast region because it's a fishing village you know but the architecture there is amazing you know, and you can tell that they spent time when it was, you know, developing, putting the effort into the architecture. 
my own hometown, you know, which is a Revolutionary War town, you know, the architecture there has some amazing, uh, you know, 17th century architecture. Uh, because it's very old. It's, you know, one of the, the major fortifications along what would eventually become the Erie Canal. Uh, you know, that was a big part of the Revolutionary War and uh, the changes that happened that kept Mark's people on his side of uh, the uh, waterways and our people on the other side here. But, you know, you look at that, it's, you know, only a little ways away. And, you know, you look at a, another one of the local cities and it's all modern. So, um, you know, each of these cities, no matter how big they are, how small they are, you know, the cities really give a flavor for the people that live there and the history of those cities. And one of the things in Oblivion that has always bothered me is the chapel that you're looking at right now, that all of the cities have the exact same, uh -huh. you know, Gothic chapel. And it's like, okay, if uh, Berville is as run down as it is, the chapel should not be that grandiose. Yeah. And the walls shouldn't be that nice either. Yeah, they should be more like a, a fortified uh, stick wall. But yeah. then again, you know, in ESO, those are the kind of walls that they're also showing too. So at least, you know, at one point in time, oh. it seems like or Breville actually was a much more prosperous city yeah. than it is now. I kind of, instead of having like, uh, not, to, not to coin an overused phrase again, um, instead of having my immersion broken when I see these differences in, in Breville, um, I'm often reminded that, that there are some cities that, that start with splendor and then start to decay. And you see the, the decay not in the long-standing architectural structures that were meant to last the ages, but, you know, in the individual homes and towns and uh, shops mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah. come and go as, as uh, the, the decades pass. Um, okay. I want to wrap this up and hopefully not so abruptly, but um, we've got so much to talk about. And um, Mike's history section I read last night is incredible. And I'm eager to move on to that. So without any further ado, please, Mike, uh, tell us all about Breville. Breville is a squalid town located on the banks of the Nibbin Bay, south of the Imperial City. The Larius River passes through and wraps around the town as the green road curves around it. Breville is described as one of the poorest towns in Cyrodiil. Houses are built like shacks, being wooden and stacked upon each other. The Larius River that runs through the town serves as Breville's sewers. Because of its location on the bay's shores and the marshes and swamps that surround it, the climate is damp. So from the book, Breville, the daughter, the daughter of the Nibbin, by Sethel Longleat. Breville is one of the most charming towns in Cyrodiil, sparkling in her simple beauty, illustrious by her past. No visit to the southern part of the Imperial Province is complete without a walk along Breville's exciting river port, a talk with her friendly native children, and of course, the tradition of the village, a whispered word to the famous statue of the lucky old lady. Breville is one of the infamous cities associated with the Iliads prior to the establishment of the human empires. Uh, in that same book, uh, we read about some really cool things that happen that the Eliads were able to do. Uh, it is one of the last regions to have been secured, uh, and in the book, Breville, the Daughter of the Nibbin, the final events of the brutal and infamous siege are uh, recorded in more of a story than in uh, a historical context. So, 
I'll grant the honor of the victory to one of the Empress Alyssa's centurions, a man called Theo Bravillus Teus, the man for whom the modern town is named. The Aliads, it seemed, had taken two routes to hide themselves. Some had levitated up the walls and hidden themselves high above, and others had slipped into the river where they were able to breathe underwater. It was a relatively easy task once the strange elves, even strangers' hiding holes, had been discovered to rout them. And see to it that there were no more midnight assassinations of the Empress's troops. It may seem beyond belief that the entire community could be so skilled in these spells hundreds and hundreds of years before the Mages' Guild was formed to teach the ways of magic to the common folk. So, it's kind of a, an interesting thing to think about that. Berville here was, at one point in time, possibly a seat of huge magical learning to a common populace. Hmm. I do find that um, a little hard to believe, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, uh, certainly a, a, I could believe a great port town, but I mean, it's all the way in the south here. I mean, it's just north of Leowin, which is the most southern city here in in, in Cyrodiil. And, and they're saying that even orcs from High Rock were making them themselves over here? No, uh, the Aliads. Okay. So the Aliads had lived here, and they were able to use magic such as uh, levitation and water breathing to evade imperial troops during uh, the uh, Alician Reformation. Right, but there is there. There's a note there on on High Rock or or Hammerfell. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, in any event, um, uh, so we'll move on here. Yeah, the most famous attraction in Breville is the statue of the Lucky Old Lady. The story is recorded in a book called The Lucky Old Lady. One day, a priest of Stendar came to Breville to do charitable work. He saw the weeping little girl and asked. She told him that the cause of her misery, she didn't know who her father was. You have kind eyes and a mouth that tells no lies, replied the priest after a moment, smiling. You are clearly a child of Stendar, the god of mercy, charity, and well-earned luck. The priest's thoughtful words changed the little girl forever. Whenever she was asked who her father was, she would cheerfully reply, I am a child of luck. She grew up to be a barmaid, it was said, kind and generous to her customers, frequently allowing them to pay when they were able to. On a particular rainy night, she gave shelter to a young man dressed in rags, who not only had no money to pay, but was belligerent and rude to her as she fed him and gave him a room. The next morning, he left without so much as a thank you. Her friends and family admonished her, saying that she had to be careful. He might have been dangerous. A week later, a royal carriage arrived at Breville with an imperial prince within. Though he was scarcely recognizable, it was the same young man the lady had helped. He apologized profusely for his appearance and behavior, explained that he had been kidnapped and cursed by a band of witches. And it wasn't until later that he had returned to his senses. The lady was showered with, ri with riches, which she, of course, generously shared with all of the people of Breville, where she lived to a content old age. No one knows when the statue to her was erected in the town square, or who the artist was, but it stood there for thousands of years since the first era. To this day, visitors and Brevillians alike go to the lucky old lady and ask her to bless them with the luck in their travels. 
So, but we have to ask though: if the lucky old lady was showered with riches that she shared with the town, why is the town in such a derelict state? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering that too. I, you know, I, I think it's it's probably one of those things where, you know, she she herself had become very rich. She shared it with the town, but you know, after after many years of her passing, you know, the the town itself probably squandered a lot of the money away and yeah. fell. Well, into- it does it does say that this was back in the first era that this statue's been here. So, yeah. you know that that is several thousand years. Yeah. What does it deal with this? Uh, this guy here, Ungalum. Ungalum. <laughs> this. Uh, Maybe he wants to whisper to her. Yeah, he, I mean that's that, that's definitely what he's doing. Like he's fixated on on the uh, the lucky lady here, and I never could figure this out. And I, I refuse to look it up. I talked to him, and I don't know. One of these days, I gotta look it up. But here she is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the video. There she is. So, in a more contemporary period, uh, the town is not known for its magic wielding resident, nor its supernatural luck but a more sinister historical occupant. Although her name has been lost to time, the Night Mother was once a mere mortal, a dark elf woman who lived in a small village once located where the city of Breville stands now, in the imperial province of Cyrodiil. She was a respected member of the Morag Tong, and like her fellow members, this woman made her trade as an assassin in the service of the Daedric Prince Mafala. From the book, The Night Mother's Truth. Now, some people believe that the statue of the lucky old lady is a statue of the Night Mother, uh, but the truth at the time of TS4 is even more disturbing than the thought of that statue being the Night Mother. Uh, For those that do not play through the Dark Brotherhood quest, the facts are recalled in a series of journals in Elder Scrolls V for you to read through if you haven't played through the Dark Brotherhood quest. And we go to everybody's favorite lunatic, Cicero. Can you do a voice for this one? Uh, probably not. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> the 27th of Fire. <laughs> Fourth Era, 188. The situation in Breville grows more dire. The city has erupted in violence due to a war of control being waged by Cyrodiil's two largest skooma traffickers. The listener, Alessandre Prey, has been forced to employ cell swords to protect her own residence. First of Sun's Dusk, 4th Era, 188. Things in Breville have come to a head. The statue of the lucky old lady has been destroyed, and Alison Dupre has left her residence to guard the crypt of the Night Mother, hidden below the remains of the statue. If the crypt is discovered, Alyssian Dupre will, of course, protect the remains of the unholy matrim until her dying breath. Risha is sending Granag and Adrianica to aid in the crypt's defense. I beg to accompany them, but Rasha wouldn't have it. He says my place is here, defending this sanctuary, and I must, of course, respect that decision. The Twelfth of Sun's Dusk, Fourth Era, 188. Botched my contract and forfeited the bonus. The silk merchant was already cold, and I was halfway through the window when her daughter stepped into the room. I had little choice at that point. The 21st of Sun's Dusk, Fourth Era, 188. So much has happened since my last entry. After Garnog and Andrianica left for Breville, we stopped receiving communications from the city. We feared the worst. This morning, those fears were confirmed when Granog returned alone, transporting a most precious cargo. 
the great stone coffin of the Night Mother herself. The story Grenog told could curl the blood of even the most hardened of Sith's servants. The crypt of the Night Mother, raided. Dearest sister Andronica cut to pieces, and the listener herself, the most honor Alessandra Dupre, burned alive in a storm of mage fire. So, underneath that statue lies the crypt of the Night Mother at this point in time. And underneath the, the events statue. that happen between the two uh, games ends up why Cicero and the Night Mother end up in Skyrim. Underneath the the uh, statue of the Lucky Lady. Yes. So, huh. if you play through to almost the pretty much the end of the Dark Brotherhood questline in Oblivion, you end up actually uh, getting to see parts of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember first time I played that, and it was like um, it was time to go down. It was like. Oh, okay, so that's what this is. And wait a second, that's who? Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Mother doesn't like it. (laughs) Wow. So this is probably this dude's fascination with the statue. He probably knows that the the Night Mother is buried here. That's a possibility. I think that might be it. Have you played the Dark Brotherhood questline in Oblivion? Uh, I am almost at that point. I'm still doing... um... The, the drops mm-hmm. on my character um, and uh, so I have not been into the crypt yet I'm sort of wondering if uh, maybe you encounter this this guy during the Dark Brotherhood well it has been a while since I did it I think he does come up I, I, I so yeah. too makes sense I believe that he is the the guy that causes uh, women to cry all the time when you talk about the Dark Brotherhood <laughs> what? <laughs> really? <laughs> Let's just say, you know, while people make fun of Cicero for being the way he is, there's women that swoon over uh, Lucy and the Chance. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, okay. Uh, his story ends up as a tragic ending, and, you know, there's it makes the ladies cry, you know, whenever they recall it. No, I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> So our trip through uh, Cyrodiil would not be complete without a peek into one of the most bigoted and prejudiced Miss Otis. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Actually, I have I have her book right here in my inventory. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, I'm an avid reader of of uh, the bigot herself. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even know it. So the guide to prevail from author Alyssa Otis. Breville is the dark gate of the sewer drain where foul and unappetizing debris collects. <laughs> it is the poorest and dirtiest of Cyrodiil's towns, the oldest and shabbiest, the most played by criminals, drunkards, and skooma eaters, and most popular with the beast folks and other foreigners. All Breville lacks is a coven of Daedra worshippers to make it the perfect pit of villainy. <laughs> and many rumors suggest that even more evil and depraved worships are practiced in secret by Breville's Wicked Heathens. Oh, my. So, now, yeah. You, you actually, it's interesting because I, I always wondered, why was it that um, uh, Shagoroth places the entrance to his Oblivion realm, uh, to the Shivering Isles, so close to Breville? <laughs> and you have to wonder, is that part of it? Is that part of the reason why he decided... Okay, it's going to go right near this city. Oh, Maybe it's... that's the coven that she's worried about. Could be. 
The town is gray, grim, and depressing. The climate is damp, and the atmosphere foul because of the fetid channels of the Larius River that serve as Breville's sewers, and because of the rank swamps of the lowland marshes of the Nibbin Bay, where insects and disease breed in abundance. The architecture of the town is remarkable for its unequaled ugliness and disorder. The houses, shops, and guilds are built from cracked and splintered timbers, soft from rot and green with mold and mildew. It is a pity that they don't just fall down, for they might be rebuilt in a more pleasing manner. Wow. Rather, they continue to grow on top of one another, like mounded middens. Yeah. She, she's put a lot of thought into this Yelp review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she definitely uh, has outdone herself this time. Visit me on foursquare.com. <laughs> <laughs> when I hammer Breville and all of its heathens. <laughs> Reville is ruled by crime lords, and the town guard lives in the pockets of the Skuma Kingpins. You will not be surprised to find there are many Argonians in Khajiit in this miserable place, since elsewhere and Blackmarsh are close by. But you may be surprised to find that many orcs here. However, beast folks are comfortable in the company of other beast folks, as are thieves and brutes naturally drawn to the company of one another. Jesus. <laughs> Reville is wow. not organized into orderly districts, however. Some landmarks may serve to orient the unfortunate visitor. The castle is approached by a rickety bridge over the river to the east. The chapel is to the west, and shops and guilds are arranged in a line with their backs to the east wall and the channel of the river. Between the chapel and the shops and guilds are Breville's ramshack sluts or slums and tennis. <laughs> Whoa! Freudian slip. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I'll go. Mods for that. <laughs> let's ask Liz. She has all those mods. <laughs> the castle is the only sturdy stone-built dwelling in Breville. It is nowhere as dirty and ill-furnished as the timber shacks of the people, but it is still little better than the houses of the poorest paupers in Anvil or the Imperial City. Countess Regalius Teratinus from the respectable family, once a noted tournament champion, is now widely recognized by his people as a drunkard wastel and never do well. And his son, Gallius, is a strutting peacock who cultivates the society of crime lords and skooma eaters. The inns are a disgrace, and a, it is common to step over prostitutes prostate drunks, I almost said prostitute drunks, <laughs> and, and through pools of sick upon entering. The idlers, gamblers, and pickpockets swarm in the darkness and prey upon unwary travelers. A visitor, foolish enough to sleep in those places, should expect to be murdered in his bed. Mm. Uh, sure this isn't the Roxy? <laughs> I was just going to say, seems like an extension to the Roxy Inn. The shops are no worse than any other feature of Breville. You may be more safe in them from assault or murder on account of the prodigious provisions merchants must take to protect themselves from thieves. If you are forced by circumstance to visit Breville, you will very soon wish to leave, and you will wish to, wa wish to watch your back as you leave, to be sure you are not followed by a parade of bandits and assassins. Honor the Nine in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> So she gave a four-star rating, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clearly, she's going to be moving in. 
So whether you believe the, in the simplistic beauty of Brazil as being attractive uh, or better that it's a slum uh, and it's the way uh, Miss Otis here does, uh, the ransacking in the fourth area era may have been a means to start over for the location as both a trading center and defensive location for the Empire. So unless we get a chance to go back to Cyrodiil post Skyrim, uh, we'll never know. But I think there's not going to be much left of it either way. Well, one thing is for sure. In this particular instance, uh, the the author of that book, uh, what's her name? Otis? Yeah, Alessia Otis. Alessia Otis. She's really not exaggerating too much. Um, th- this place really is a freaking dump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, whereas, uh, you know, the, the, Ar- the Argonians and the Orcs here, I mean, they're not the issue. Really, the this place is a. It seems like it's a it's a victim of poor economics, and uh, as a result of that, the people suffer greatly. Um, I'm I'm in, I'm sitting right in front of you know scuba drinkers right now. Um, so I think really what just needs to happen is I think these people just need jobs. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go to the. Uh, we got to go to the uh, the countess here and and uh, put forward a jobs plan. You know. Yeah, they need to build uh, a Hoover Dam. Right, right. Yeah, they need something. Maybe Put all those prostitutes trip. and sluts behind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, uh, um, the uh, ladies of ill repute aside from Breville, <laughs> Mark, our sonarist, uh, what can you say? In. We're skipping the archives today. I mean, what, how do I follow that? <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. Continue. But, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, hey, it's it's uh, it's it's my introduction for you. So, I mean, here here you are. Uh, we give the floor to to Mark, our our sonarist. What uh, what can you say about Breville in regards to the the series as a whole? Well, um, like so many of the other places we've been to this week. Reveals in one game, um, so there there really isn't a whole lot for that I can actually say about it. Sadly, um, you know there is that it, it doesn't even show up on the uh, the map of Cyrodiil in the uh, the first edition guide to the Empire. So really, it it does not exist until Oblivion, um, and pretty much what we know of it after Oblivion is it's exactly what Mike read from the uh from Cicero's journals. So it's not a city we've we've seen much much of. Even in ESO, uh what we see of Cyrodiil cuts off before we actually reach Breville. Yeah, you can so, jump around outside the walls, but uh you can't get in. Yeah. So apparently there are people who have slipped into the area of Breville, you know, sort of the we are working on something here. But there's nothing in here yet, area. Um, but, you know, uh, that's neither here nor there because there's nothing really to see because it's all like flat. Um, there will be a building here type thing. So, um, basically, I decided then, uh, you know, one of the things I've always noticed about the Elder Scrolls is that, um, or at least in Seer, in Oblivion, is that. When you start the game, you're able to fast travel to all the major cities. Right. 
And for me, that always struck me as kind of weird because, well, you can't fast travel anywhere else, but you can always go to the city. So why is that? And then I started thinking about it and I figured, well, maybe it's sort of an all roads lead to Rome type thing. Because barring the um, the uh, bandit infested forts on the roads, which I still do not understand why those forts are already filled with bandits so quickly and completely abandoned. Um, I always find myself wondering, uh, or, you know, sort of like the roads of Cyrodiil are overall, they're patrolled. They're sort of well-kept. So it would make sense that before the crisis, a character would have likely in Cyrodiil likely would have an easy time understanding how, where everything is and how to get there. So that got me thinking about, you know, exploration and, and finding different places in the game series. And I'll never forget the first time I ever escaped Privateer's Hole in Daggerfall. This was probably in like hour four or five. Sure, of rub my, it in. Of, you know, it took a while. To, <laughs> I finally got out of there. And I was using a that oh little page that came in front of the CD that actually said, this is exactly how you get out of here quickly. Um, and I got out and, it, uh, and found myself standing in, well, the vast wilderness of High Rock. I remember it was snowing, too. And, you know, I'm looking around and I didn't know where I was supposed to go, so I just decided I'll start walking. Um, I was attacked by an orc and a dragonling, a dragonling and a spriggan and I had to reload a couple of times as a result, and I eventually found myself at the ocean. So then I looked at the instruction booklet, figured out how to bring up the world map, and actually got started doing something but wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, the, this series is one where exploration is is half the game. Just seeing what the designers have put out there for you to find. And it's changed sort of how they've ever how they've approached this. Arena and Daggerfall both have um, fast travel systems in them. And all you have to do is bring up the map and click on the correct province, um, or in Daggerfall's uh, um, case, this, the correct city-state sort of minor province area. That's something that uh, people conveniently forget too, or or just have no idea of. Uh, when Elder Scrolls Online came out and people heard about the Way Shrine system, they lost their minds, thinking you know oh, that's too MMO. But you know uh, Pete Hines stepped in and said, "Well, hold your horses, there, folks. We've it's a had fast travel thing, right? We've had fast travel in every single Elder Scrolls game. This isn't just an MMO thing; it's it's an Elder Scrolls thing too, like." And, and he's legitimately right on that. Like they, yeah. every freaking game, including Daggerfall and Arena, has had this system in it. Yeah, the only game that doesn't have it, barring the travel games, because I don't know if what they do or not. No, I don't think so. Um, even Redguard does have a fast travel system in it. It's a weird one where you turn into a into a parrot and fly uh, fly to a, a specific waypoint, but it's there. <laughs> Magnificent! <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happens. You know, Cyrus uh, uses it, turns into a bird, flies away, comes, uh, appears where the next point, and he's there. Magnificent! <laughs> um, 
Oh, only Dag only really only Battlespire is the one that didn't have any form of fast travel in it. Right. Because you're stuck even, in the building. Right. Because you're stuck exactly, because you're stuck in a building. But even then you had your mark and recall spells, so you technically could fast travel. You just chose where you wanted to fast you know, like you had to do some preparation to do it. So Magnificent. You know, <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> And I do like the way ESO does it compared to Skyrim and Oblivion because yeah. you can't just travel to any place that you've already discovered. Right. You have to travel to a location and then walk your, you know, armor cladded butt all yeah. the way to the final destination. Yes. I I, yeah. I like their fast travel system better. Yeah. I, I like that, you know, you can get to the major towns you want to and then, yeah, there are places on the road that you can get to. I like that. It would be nice to see something like that introduced into number six, but I think we're getting, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself there. So, in those, in Daggerfall and Arena, both of them allowed fast travel. And this was because the game procedurally generate, like it just, it randomly generated a world, the world between two points. And in the coding, it was basically Daggerfall City is here. If you want to walk, if you walk north, the next object occurs X distance away from you. And, it, or the same thing with Arena. It was that everything existed in the game code with a distance from everything else. Or, you know, from the closest points. So, as a result, it could take you days to walk from... You could, you could literally walk for a day or so across one point of Daggerfall to the other... And if you had picked your line correctly, you wouldn't hit a single thing on the way. Uh, yeah, that's and it, true. Like it's day, you know, days real time yeah. of just walking straight. Yeah, because they had given Britain, you know, they they gave it the size of Britain between all the different uh, places in total. So, in order to, it, Arena didn't have a huge number of places compared to Daggerfall. I mean, Daggerfall was. Like, you open up just the Daggerfall portion of the map, and right away you got, like, 100, 200 different spots you could potentially go to before you do any exploring. Mm -hmm. But as you as you play the game, you would be pointed to different dungeons and whatnot, and you, you could, if you wanted to, get out into the wilderness and just walk, and you might come across something. I remember there were times where I would... where I started walking and I bumped into, like, a witch's coven which those were very hard to find and very rarely were you actually pointed to one. So that Just that go to Breville, you'd find one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the, the witches' covens were like these half-hollowed-out hills in the middle of nowhere. It was kind of, you know, with, of course, a half-naked woman in the middle of it. Yeah. So totally worth finding. Totally. totally. <laughs> Especially when you're, you know, you're only like 15 to 16. It's like, uh, wow, yeah. yes. Back in the late 90s, pixelated ladies. Oh, yeah. They don't say no. <laughs> well, in my case, they just don't turn you down. <laughs> there are mods for that. Anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did it bring you all the way back to the beginning of the, the dungeon? I'm lost. Hopelessly. <laughs> so... Um, but really, we didn't get uh, – they didn't really sort of introduce exploration as something that players would expect to really spend time digging their teeth into until we got to Morrowind. 
I mean, once we got into Morrowind, um, you know, you you had all of Vardenfell lay out laid out before you. It was it was set. It wasn't you know between point A and point B. Everything's just randomly computer generated. This was a world that was set up and ready to go, and just you 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 want you were encouraged. Go look around. Go look around. You know what? This tiny valley might have nothing in it, oh, yeah. but it might also end with a small crypt that you can go into, and you well, might find something there. That's sort of the thing that kind of drives me a little batty about the about the ex, or the uh, the complaint that you know. Oh, look at how big Daggerfall's map was compared to the other games, like. Bethesda is obviously just building these games um, without much thought in mind anymore. Like they're dumbing it down intentionally. And and you 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 play Daggerfall. You look, you think of that, and you're like, oh wow, yeah. Like that's why don't they make games like that anymore? And the thing is, because there was nothing between anything. There's nothing there. Like how many freaking times do I need to see the same rock on the left side and the right side with the same freaking tree? Oh you know? yeah, there were, there were only like I think. I think there are a total of 60 dungeon maps, and they are randomized for each one, uh, like 60 random dungeon maps, uh, not the quest ones. And then there's like a selection of maybe maybe 20 or 30 different town maps, and they're, again, set to... Di- so you, you'll walk into a town, and it'll look just like another town that you walked by, you walked into not 20 minutes ago. Uh, the monotony in Daggerfall, yeah. if you're walking from town to town, first of all, set, set do something to make sure that your character will be able to walk without you being at the keyboard, because it will literally take you hours, if you're lucky. Oh, God, yes. It will take you hours. The, however long it takes you to walk from your town to the next is just as long as it takes you to walk from one town to the next in Daggerfall. But there's yeah. nothing interesting there in between. It's It's like like Mark was saying, is procedurally generated. So what drives me nuts is people say like, oh, look at how big, but it's, there's nothing out there. It's boring. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, there's no point in having the size if there's nothing to see. Right. Uh, that's the one thing about Skyrim that, you know, sometimes I wish it was like about 10% bigger because the thought would be is that it should take you a day's travel to get from one of the major towns to its next closest town. I mean, that's, you know, medieval towns were usually set up to be one day's travel. So, you know, about 10% would be just about the right length to go from Riften to Windhelm or uh, Windhelm to Whiterun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I hear you on that, Mike. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping in in 6, you know, it's it's a little bit bigger, and I'm I'm sure it will be. Um, But, uh... What's nice about about you know Skyrim and Oblivion and, and what you were saying, Mark, is is that you've got you you're encouraged to explore because there's things there that's not marked on the map to yeah. find. Yeah, and I I love Daggerfall. I mean, it is a it is a really good game, but I'll be the first to say that I would much prefer a smaller game like Skyrim and Oblivion and Morrowind. To want you know where everything has been laid out with care to something like uh, Daggerfall, where it's like, oh, we've got a huge size, but there's nothing there. Yeah, like w- walking in the wilderness is there's really no point. Your your chances of finding anything are very small, and you know nine times out of a thousand, or you know nine nine thousand times out of a million, or whatever, 
you're only going to find yet another small town or crypt or something you've seen a million times before. Right, that you could have just as easily fast-traveled to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... The thing, the thing that with Morrowind, though, is like, you know, you could, you'd find all these different things. Like, you could, it encouraged you, go explore, you know, go exploring near the water. You might find a sunken shipwreck. And that was actually funny because as I was playing that game, I went out and was just wandering around some islands. And I saw, oh, hey, look, a shipwreck. I went to explore. And that's where I found a gauntlet of the horny fist. <laughs> And your life was never the same after that. And my life, well, my, my my life had never been the same since Battle's Fire. So, but yeah, I mean, it was just sort of, you know, you you go and you find, you know, you, you were encouraged to go and explore. The thing with Morrowind, though, was that I found um, the the lack of being able to just get back on track fairly easily. Was, it, I did find it frustrating and a bit of a discouragement. But I also found that the the addition of like monsters that were placed there were not necessarily randomly generated. They were they were set. Like if there is a golden saint here, there is supposed to be a golden saint here in this area. And it meant that there were certain places that you really shouldn't be going to until you're a certain level. And while it's good because it encouraged thought if you wanted to go there earlier, you could encourage thought and care in your exploration. You had the option of a bigger reward by going into these areas, but that would then, of course, mean that lower-level areas were now unbalanced because you now had a way bigger, you know, way more powerful weapon. But overall, I also found that it, it discouraged you from actually feeling like right from the start you could go exploring. You could go anywhere and check out and just see because it felt like, well, you could go here, but really the things there are far above your level. So if you do that, you're going to likely get killed. Right. Yeah, but I think that, that makes it more realistic, though, because you're going to run into everyday activities that you do already. I'm not saying that we're going out monster hunting in real life, but, you know, there, there's situations that you're put in that you could breeze through with your eyes closed. But then and there's I, other ones that are going to take yeah. all of your concentration. And it's like, OK, if you went into that dungeon at level two. And you got your butt handed to you, you know, in the first room. It probably because you know you don't belong down there. That you should be still learning how the tricks and trades of your skills, you know, in town or in you know the fields. Right. I'm a huge proponent of going at being being able to go to those places and freely walk in. But I'm not I'm not a huge proponent at all of at that point being able to do the content successfully and comfortably. Oh. And I'm, I feel the same way about dungeons. With me, though, it's more that this entire area of the of the island is just basically a no go for the next fifteen levels. Right. It's that type of thing that I that I'm sort of against. Is that just this feeling that you you can't even it really? It's not even. It isn't really an option for you. You can't really go out and explore and feel like you know and get everything out until you've you've earned the the ability to go to that level and while I, it's a game but, but you know like because it's a game that's why I, I i would much rather be able to just at least explore the overworld and not feel boxed in mm -hmm. you know yeah i'm yeah, okay the overworld yeah 
Yeah, I'm okay with the dungeon being like, okay, this is, you know, like, there are monsters there that are too hard. It really, for me, is when, uh, it's when uh, the problem becomes when I can't actually just go anywhere in the overworld of the game and just explore all of that. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, when the opening of Skyrim and you go to the Western Watchtower. I've always felt like that should have been scripted a little better. Like, mm-hmm. there should have been, like, a, a ballista or a windlass on top of the tower that you would have been required to activate to shoot the dragon and you should have been sent not with four guards and a you know a house carl but you know with like a, a small army to really give this this dragon a feeling of like okay oh I'm level 10 there is no way I can take out this dragon at this point in time in the game oh yeah without question <laughs> all right guys um we still have the fast question of the weekend an email to uh, to get into. Um, Mark, is there anything else that you wanted to sort of uh, call attention to this week? Uh, just sort of uh, not particularly. I mean, really, the only other thing that Oblivion and Skyrim they really brought back the idea of fast traveling as okay, I'm set. Just hit the point on the map. But they also then introduced the idea of the of the compass with the markers, and I always felt that. The markers themselves really did encourage, like for me at least, they really do encourage that extra amount of exploration where I will be sort of like, I'll be going along. I've I've got limited time. I don't have a huge amount of time to be playing the game. So I'm I'm more being a bit more goal oriented. And I sort of, in Morrowind, this means I focus on the quest. But in Skyrim and Oblivion, it means that I, even if I have a goal, like, okay, I'm going to go do this quest, I'll be walking along and see oh, hey, there's a uh, there's a marker I haven't gone to. I'm going to go see what that is. And I'll get over to there, and it's like, on my way, two more markers showed up. And then, oh, I'm going to go see what these are, too. Oh, God, tell me about it. And, you know, like, it, it just sort of gave that little encouragement to... I, I re- You know, like, yes, it means I know where that there is something that I'm moving towards. But it was that little extra encouragement that there is that little reward at the end to explore... And on the way, you might just find something that looks neat that isn't marked on the map. So I, I kind of found that overall, like, this, the whole, the map markers and whatnot really do sort of give that extra encouragement for exploration ex- and a reward for exploration that the series kind of needs. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely so. does. Uh, especially, and, and, you know, I know, you know, Liz was mentioning on the last L- episode of Elder Scrolls Off the Record, I don't know how you people walk anywhere in this game. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, the fact is, is that if you're not walking from place to place, you're missing a lot of, of hand-placed scenes. That you really, you might enjoy that. Um, yeah. Just for one in particular, uh, in Skyrim, I, I had... You know, I was just walking around. And I noticed that I was, you know, I was by a river and I was looking at the river and just kind of enjoying the scene. And I noticed that there was a uh, a fallen tree going into the river. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. And then I started looking at it a little bit more closely, and the tree had fallen on top of a house, small little hut. And and it, I said, oh, it's it, clearly this tree has has fallen and it's destroyed that house. And then I started noticing like personal effects strewn about the ground, and a little investigation proved that not only did this tree fall on the house and destroy it, but apparently it hit a guy 
who was sitting in a chair inside the house and killed him. And that that guy that it killed could be found face down in the river by the house. Now, it's an awful story, of course, but it's what struck me was the fact that I'm just wandering around, going from cave to cave and, and just, you know, du dungeon delving. And here, without any words, was an unlucky story of a man who was sitting down eating dinner and had his life taken from him by an act of, of the nine, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't have to be told in um, in words. It did, I didn't have to read a book to see this. It was there, clear as day, spelled out in front of me. And that's, I think, one of the best parts of the Elder Scrolls is is stuff like that. And if you're not walking around and exploring, like you said, Mark, going from location to location and walking it, you're gonna miss out on those on those things. Yeah, and I think I know which one you're talking about. And yeah, there is there's a location there that's like an abandoned prison. Yes, that's like right across the, you know the river from it. That's it. Yeah. So when you first started telling it, I thought it was gonna be the uh, the story of the girl that you floated down the river. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh, the pretty Nord girl I felt terrible for. <laughs> yeah, because then we wouldn't have stories like this if, if all you did was fast travel. It, right. Exactly. Anyway, um, Mark, anything else? No, that uh, that pretty much covers everything. All right. Pause the game here for a second. All right, so we've got a fast question of the week. Um, this this comes from this comes from Mike. Uh, Mike, you, you wrote this up, right? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Mike. So, uh, since uh, we've been touring Cyrodiil, and uh, we have one more tour to do here, uh, I wanted to ask the hosts, uh, from the list below, what is your favorite district landscape in Cyrodiil? And the choices are uh, Blackwood, Colovian Highlands, Gold Coast, the Great Forest, the Heartlands, the Gerald Mountains, the Nimine Basin, the Nimine Valley, Vallis Mountains, and the West Weald. So, of Arwen. Colovian Highlands. And Mark? Uh, I'm actually going to go with the Highlands as well. And I'm going to go with the Vallis Mountains. Oh, that's interesting. Now, why why the Vallis Mountains, Mike? So that is the area around Chaden Hall. Uh, so it separates uh, Cyrodiil from uh, um, Morrowind. And uh, there's it, it's a very wild area because there's not a lot of civilization out there. And uh, the refinement of Chaden Hall has always been like one of my favorite areas, so... Okay. So um, why the uh, the Colovian Highlands for you guys? Well, let's pull up the map real quick. The uh, Colovian Highlands. Uh, hmm. So that's going to be the area by Coral. Right. I'm, I'm like, it's my favorite area, and yet I'm not exactly sure where it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I think it just happens to be. A, it's it's you know kind of north. Uh, it's in the north part of of Cyrodiil. Um, you know the 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 mountains there are are gorgeous. Uh, they're they're snow capped and they are beautiful. You've got the Orange Road that's right here. Which, if you don't know anything about the Orange Road, it's a it's just a, a road that connects, I believe, Coral and Bruma to uh, to each other, and it's just it's like full. All the all the uh, the trees on that road are are their leaves are like a 
fall type of theme there. They're, they're uh, gold and brown and nice, uh, nice vibrant colors um, that represent fall. So I like that. And then, you know, you get into the area and it's, it's very snowy and, and pretty. Um, and I tend to, to like that sort of thing. But I think what really connects me to this is just my experiences. You've got Sancrator that's, that's in the north. That's a fantastic dungeon. Uh, Lips and Tarn is, is here as well. I love those those dungeons. Probably my, one of my two favorite dungeons in this game. So I think, all told, that's sort of the reason why I like that area more than the others. Just good experiences. That That's pretty much the same thing with me. Like, I, I can't I can't think of anything to add. Really? Yeah, no, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've covered my answer. Oh, <laughs> I feel kind of bad now. Oh, geez, don't. Well, there it is. <laughs> um, so so what? Oh, I'm getting hit here. Shit. <laughs> um, so so before we before we move on, Mike, is there anything else with uh, the fast question of the week you wanted to to sort of highlight? Are we ready for the? Uh, so one email? of the reasons I asked it is that uh, you know how we close out all of our uh, gameplay for. Uh, each of our little groupings here. So next week or next time we meet, we're going to be in ESO. So uh, you know we're going to be doing the tour of uh, the cities that we can and the different areas, the different districts to take a look at you know the scenery and uh, the architecture uh, as it was progressed from uh, TS4 to uh, Elder Scrolls Online. So just you know to keep people in mind as to places that we might be visiting. Uh, when we get together next time. Okay. Um, I am doing everything I possibly can to make sure that I do not die. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, no, no, heal! Heal, damn it, heal! <laughs> All right. To quote Liz, pop a potion. But, yeah, I was, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm freaking uh, hitting every other every other uh, healing po uh, spell except for the one that's actually going to heal me. Look at that. I'm, I'm healing. I'm like, it's like I'm healing him. <laughs> anyway, um, we have an email. Do we not folks? Yes. Okay. This comes from Justin Falcone who says, good afternoon, classic elder Scrolls team. I just finished listening to episode 42, and first off, I loved the episode. Coral is one of my favorite places in any Elder Scrolls game. Regarding the listener email, Expanded Player Houses, I first think that it would depend on the location. If it's a more urban environment, then maybe buying a house in the city wouldn't make sense. But if we're... But if we're off in a more frontier setting, then... Why shouldn't the player have the ability to start their own settlement and build it into a castle? As long as it's not mandatory, it shouldn't be a problem for anyone else. Lastly, I wanted to point out that I was able to find the Necromancer amulet in Marwind. The Archmage in the Mage's Guild has it. Also, Oriel's bow is located in the Ghost Gate. Thank you for all the hard work. Love the show. Justin Falcone. Very cool. Yeah. Um. Hmm. What can I, what can I say about this email? That, um. I, I know that I've got a couple mods for Skyrim that not Lakeview Manor, but the other two um, build your own houses. Uh, 
that when you get to a certain point that they start expanding to be the centerpiece of one is like a um, a more wooden fort type structure it has like an inn and a blacksmith shop and a, a stable run with a stable you know hand um, and two gates that have patrolled guards outside the gates the other one up um, in Morthal area actually produces a brick structure with a port for the for, with boats and stuff so yeah you know, it's something definitely that as they progress on if if Hearthfire did okay in their minds for the the next Elder Scrolls game that maybe not just having a single building that you keep expanding to a large building in the middle of nowhere but maybe start putting some fortifications around that building to secure your land your land or homestead I mean, I, I kind of think that that Justin here's got it right. You know, why not? Why not? And, and we we sort of we had an email on um, on Elder Scrolls Off the Record about the same thing. You know, why does this have to be an uh, a one or the other type of conversation? Why why not both? Why can't we? Yeah. You know, why why can't we have it where you're able to, like Justin says, you know, if you're out in the wilderness, build your own place. But you know, if you're in a in a setting in a city wouldn't it make well, more it really sense? comes down to the type of game i mean yeah. if it's a single player game anything goes i mean you know yeah. right yeah <laughs> i think that's sort of what i'm calling out here is is that and that's what yeah. i assume with being it on classic that that's what we're talking about yes yeah I, I actually have a mod for skyrim i i haven't actually had a chance to really try it yet but um it, it actually allows you to build an entire orc settlement uh, in the uh, the fields around um, around Whiterun. Yeah, like you have to complete certain quests, but after you're done, you're basically given a, a plot of land and you can actually build your own. Uh, and it's done Hearthfire-like where it's like, okay, now we're going to build the Palisade Walls. Now we're going to build the Chieftain Hut. Now we're going to fill the hut and that type of thing. This is why Skyrim needs to be multiplayer, so that I could rouse the entire White Run guard to then storm Mark's uh, orc barricaded uh, little keep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's another discussion topic. Should there ever be a, a multiplayer Elder Scrolls game? I uh, honestly, I know it's a big topic, but I gotta say no. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. I don't I, think so either, but that would be hilarious, though, to have that ability. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wouldn't it, though? Yeah, definitely would. I've built an orc stronghold. Oh, hell, you have. <laughs> <laughs> I keep coming back, finding my keeps attacking my game. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Mark. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, I think that is the end of our show, and... Um, you know, maybe if you're if you're feeling a little sad about about our show ending, then let us give our final thoughts. <laughs> Starting with Mark. <laughs> this was a fun game, our fun show that we did. Um, looking forward to our next one, and also I have to say, uh, thank you for letting me be on this on this show, uh, Varwin. Like this is. I've been on the show, uh, Mike and myself have been doing this with you for over a year now, and I have to say that this has been something I've always looked uh, always looked forward to and have had a a lot of fun doing and made a, you know some really good friends with, and yeah, I, I can't thank you enough for giving me this opportunity. Oh, Mark, that's 
really kind of sudden. Uh, one year, uh, what, last week? Yeah. Yeah, last week was Mark's one year. Wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah. And, and, you're, you're, you know, and Mike was the year before, was the week before that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, you guys are fantastic. I, I, I can't give you enough credit, you know, for the, for the, for this show. I mean, uh, when, of course, you're welcome. Absolutely, Mark. <laughs> you know, thank you for doing such a wonderful job. And, and, you know, you too, Mike, thank you for doing such a wonderful job. You guys, every single, every single episode, you knock it out of the park. And, um, like I was saying, you know, uh, some time ago, you know, there are some of our listeners who enjoy Elder Scrolls off the record, but, you know, Classic is a clear favorite of theirs. And, you know, we started the show knowing that Elder Scrolls off the record was going to be very ESO heavy for the next, you know, qu- couple of years until Elder Scrolls 6 comes out. Um, so what are we going to do to to sort of help and uh, give people the, the same kind of thing that they were interested in listening to. Uh, and, and so this, you know, classic came out as a result of that. So, but, uh, you know, being that what it is, you know, if it wasn't for, for, you know, you two folks, um, a, the show probably would not still be going on and B it would not nearly be as, as good. It's very well researched, very well thought out. And it's because, you know, you guys do that. So, so, uh, Mark, you're welcome. And I'm glad you're you're uh, you're enjoying it, and um, you know, both obviously both of you guys are, you know, uh, welcome to stay indefinitely, of course, for <laughs> however long you can put up with me. <laughs> Great, we got that on tape. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mike. So it was a good episode. It was enjoyable seeing uh, how uh, uh, slummy slutty uh, Breville can be. I guess. Uh, <laughs> and to watch uh, Varwin take on some minotaurs here at the end uh, to get their horns for whatever illicit uh, black market trade he's into there. Um, we do have uh, uh, an episode in a couple of weeks here, and as I said, it's going to be in Cyrodiil and ESO, so for all of our listeners that have ESO that want to come tour the countryside with us, uh, we play on the AD faction in the Hatteras campaign, so uh, you know, when, uh, keep an eye out for our tweets as to when the episode's going to be. And if you want to join us and run around uh, Cyrodiil, kind of like when we did uh, the Skyrim episode, uh, how many months ago that was, or uh, uh, the Morrowind episode months before that, you know, have a character level 10, be ready. Yeah, that was that was a good time. A lot of people really enjoyed that, man. Yeah, because that's when we really get to, like, take in the vista. Because we're not there trying to do anything other than to, to roam around and look. So, uh, you know, you get to see cool things like that time we got to see the Brothers of Strife monument. And everybody's like, oh, my God, I didn't realize it was there. Yeah. 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 That was definitely a cool moment, too, that we were able to show that off for uh, for people. So who knows what we'll find in Cyrodiil this time? Oh, oh, I'm sure we'll find quite a few sites. Yes. <laughs> I think we're going to find some Smurfs and a yeah. red light district. And- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get uh, quite the eyeful, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so so uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening to our latest episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. Whether you're uh, listening at home via podcast on Stitcher Radio or iTunes or QuestGamingNetwork.com or you're watching us on YouTube YouTube.com slash Quest Gaming Network. Uh, we do, 
we do thank you for that. Please, um, please give us a rating on iTunes. It certainly helps. Uh, subscribe to us on on uh, on iTunes as well and on um, YouTube. Uh, you can follow this show at Elder Scrolls OTR on Twitter. Uh, Mike, Mark, and myself, we all have Twitter accounts. You can find Mike at KDR Mickey. That's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. And Mark is at Carnegie Wolf. C-A-R-N-A-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-E. Uh, watch those Twitter accounts, guys, for the, the, uh, confirmation of the next episode of Classic. Uh, like I was saying, probably September 3rd, but, um, that's tentative at the moment. October. Right, I said September, didn't I? Yep. Dummy. We don't have a TARDIS in uh, QGN Manor. <laughs> Fro- Frostfall the third. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's, uh, time to say goodbye. Let's let's start with Mike. Have a good uh, Sunday afternoon, everybody, and hopefully wherever you're listening to, that the weather is nice for you. And Mark. Uh, yeah. No, everyone, have a good week. Uh, good week uh, coming, and see you next time. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And as always, may the foose be with you. Hold on!